Hey everyone, welcome to the Wild and Uncut podcast brought to you by Ruger. I'm your host, Christy Titus. Thank you for tuning in. The line is going hot, so let's go full send on this episode. Hey everyone, if you're watching this podcast, then it's probably safe to say that you're like me and you love hunting, shooting sports, and of course, you support conservation of wildlife and wild places. I really believe in the power of free market principles. So I wanna ask you today to join me in making an impact and consider supporting companies like Ruger, Onyx Hunt, and Dead Downwind that are not only supporting this podcast, but they are also supporting the values and traditions that we live out day to day. Thank you all for watching. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Wild and Uncut podcast. I'm your host, Christy Titus, and we are here at the NRA Annual Meetings Convention at the Ruger Ruger booth, and I'm with Ruger Team Ambassador, Nate Zelinski. How are you? I'm good. So I just met Nate the other day in the airport for the first time because I've only virtually known him. Yep. And uh, <laughs> first thing I like walk up to him, I'm like, hey, you're like real tall. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm like, trying to still grow. You know what like, I mean? Like, holy smokes. <laughs> like, I, you're like a foot and a half taller than me. I felt like a very small human. Okay. Um, and also funny story. We get on the plane. You're on the same flight as me and Yogi. <laughs> and Ruger CEO Chris Colloy is also on the same flight. And so... I walk on with my husband, and Chris is sitting there already, and he texts Rob, our um, VP of marketing here at Ruger, and he's like, hey, Christy's with Nate Zielinski. <laughs> and Rob's like, no, I'm pretty sure she's with her husband. And Chris is like, no, she's she's with <laughs> Nate. And it turns out that you and my husband look a lot alike. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was actually pretty cool for me because I walked in with my husband, and I walked out with my husband and Nate. So it's like... <laughs> Even better. Right? There we go. <laughs> it's like, no wonder Chris was confused because I was technically with you both. You have a backup. Like, you're yeah. good to go. <laughs> I was, like, fully covered <laughs> with the husband department that day. It was pretty funny. Um, and actually, I was laughing pretty hard about it because then we all go to, like, this team dinner, and you're there, and Yogi's there, and gets even more confusing because you two are sitting side by side right. and shoulder uh-huh. to shoulder. You're uh-huh. both. You're a little taller than Yogi. His eyes are a little bluer. I got. I got to work on the V-neck. I'm gonna get the V-neck yeah, thing. Yeah, you know like, what? I, I might go shopping later today. You do have snaps on that shirt. I do. You could pop I them. Do. I like love go them. for the full there like pearl snap thing. And, there we go. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's been pretty funny because we had never met prior to this, and it's so interesting. Like uh, with social media and teams, you really feel like you know you someone, do. even though you don't. Yep. You're like. I know you. No, I don't actually this know you. This whole show's been like that. And I, since I've joined the team, it was like right during like the COVID. So we've cut out so many in, yeah. you know, in-person meetings. Yeah. So you know everybody. So you come firsthand. You're like, 
do I shake their hand? Do like, I, do I hug them? Do I, yeah, do I introduce myself? Because like, I know them. Are we but there? I don't know them. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that awkward moment. So. It was. It's pretty. Actually, I think we've only done zooms together, and you were somewhere on your zoom. I was at a nail salon at a zoom at one point. Um, so and Coleon, I don't know like, where he he was somewhere he was too. At the gym. Gym. Yep. That's what he it was. was. I was pumping iron. I, <laughs> he was at the gym. I was at the nail salon, yep. and you were. I don't know where. Yeah, I was all over the place. So you live. You well, you live in Colorado, and yep. you kind of live in. The middle of nowhere, from what I understand. I do. I, I'm up on top of a mountain. It, it's kind of cool. So I'm, you know, like an hour outside of Denver. Uh, but yeah, top of mountain, big views, middle of nowhere. Are you north Shoot. of Denver, west of Denver, east, south? I am southwest of Denver. Okay. So nice. Yeah. We're going to be turkey hunting down there, actually, um, in two weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward so to it. So I haven't. I, I had to do some product launch for Bowtech years ago, and I got into the turkey game and whacked a bunch of birds and got out of it. Like, turkey's just not quite my thing. Yeah. And uh, my kids, I have nine-year-old twins. They're in hunter safety, like, today, as we speak, yeah. 4 o'clock. Um, and they both want to go, go turkey hunting. So that's Wait, now like, you have to get that Ruger I, Red Label. Now I have to get back into it. I need to. Yeah. Exactly. You have to get on that so. list. So Ruger quit making shotguns, like... 21 years ago, which I'm quite thankful for because I'm terrible with a shotgun. <laughs> However, with that said, I have an old red label and I do shoot turkeys with it occasionally, but I typically shoot turkeys with a bow. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's worked well for me. Um, you shoot for, you do a lot for bow tech. Yep. I, I shoot for bear archery and um, Yogi is now shooting archery and he had like this two year turkey nemesis <laughs> that we finally resolved last year. Thank you. God, like when we first started turkey hunting, like your kids, he was kind of excited, but yeah. But then once he started turkey hunting, every time we would see a turkey, he'd be like, oh my gosh, did you see those turkeys? Gosh, you're not 12. (laughs) Stop. They're turkeys. So... And anybody that compares it to elk, oh I just yeah. want to smack behind I, the head. I, I hear that. Everybody <laughs> does like, oh, it's a vocal bird. I'm like, no. No. Not the same thing. <laughs> I have that issue with coyotes. Yeah. So, like, I can have a, a 380 class bull come charging in, like, you know, lips curling, peeing on himself, the excitement, and, like, calm as can be, can shoot it all day long. A coyote comes into a call, and I'm like, you lose it. I Like, it's my one animal you that fall I. Apart. I've killed a million of them, and I just, I fall apart. But with he the also misses them, apparently. That's all I am. <laughs> like, like, it's like it's got a force field around the thing. Oh. <laughs> like, you get so totally. jumpy. You just, I, I did that in my yard. So, this one day we were in at our place in Oregon, I hear these coyotes in the yard and the mules are running. And I'm like, those freaking coyotes are by the yeah, mule pen. Yeah. And, um, so I grabbed my, I had a five, five, six with a, like a one to eight on it. And I grab it. One of the uh, um, NPRs from Ruger. I grab it and I like sneak out in slippers and I see this coyote and I have a one to eight. So I zoom in as good as I could. And it was out there a ways. And I am like, I have to freehand, right? I'm going to have to do this, but I have to do this. This is the moment, right? Like, this thing is not (laughs) going to stand around, right? Yeah. And I missed that thing bigger than shit. It was so disappointing. And then there was a second one, and it ran in front of me really close, but it ran by me at, like, 40 yards so fast. (laughs) I needed a shotgun. Like, I was not prepared for this, so I went from, like, this 
slam dunk double coyote layup in my slippers. It would have been the best day of my life. <laughs> and I just literally foobarred the whole thing. Blew the whole thing. The whole thing. It happens. The whole thing. It happens. I do sometimes feel like the layups are sometimes the worst. <sighs> I missed a turkey like that live on Facebook oh for Botech. No, you didn't. <laughs> live. like So streaming from Botech and Bass Pro Shops National and Cabela. So like... 6,000 live views, yeah. and I'm good, and the camera guy goes, dude, we're live. Don't miss. And, like, I'm in full draw when he says that, and all of a sudden you're like, uh-oh. I just missed. Like, I'm going to miss because you just totally, you, you ruined know what I my mean? life. When somebody says that, like, you know, it's like when you're fishing and somebody's like, don't lose that. Like, you instantly lose it. You're like, yeah. don't say that stuff. Yeah, 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 that was horrible. And so, did you shoot over button. its back, or would you? What was the? Uh, on that turkey, I shot over its back. Yeah, gosh, man, that sucks. So I was nervous. I was in the blind, and like it, my decoy, everything's up front, like huge windows, and I'm like, this is easy. And the bird hung up like through the little corner window. Uh -huh. And I'm like, he's like, don't miss, don't hit the blind. And I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> so then I, uh, I'm like, I can, I'll lift up just a hair to make sure I clear the blind, and yeah. Blew the shot. And then you're like, I totally can't redeem myself. No, like live, live is gone. This like, is, you are not editing this no. and looking like a hero at like, the end. You are, yeah, terrible. You're done. Yeah, yeah, that's, done. I'm so sorry about that. that I uh, really love the power of editing. It's a very great In thing. In those situations, absolutely. Oh my gosh, it is. You know. But, you know, you do sometimes, you just blow it, right? Yeah, like, 100%. I remember the first time I called in an elk. It was my first solo hunt, and I kind of did something similar. I called in this bull, and he comes from down below me. I see his antlers cresting over the side of the mountain as he's coming up, and I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I was, like, in my early 20s, so excited. And the bull comes in, stands at 45 yards, broadside, poops, hangs out there, and I just didn't even draw my bow. <laughs> Like, I, I literally was in such disbelief that I just sat there and I was like, it's happening. <laughs> I just froze. And then he walked away and I'm like, what the heck just happened? I did. I, I could have shot the elk. Why did I not shoot this yeah, elk? Yeah. Totally foobarred it. And then so the next year I went back and, and I had redeemed myself and shot my first archery elk. And um, but I spent a year like, how did I do that? I just I just Flat froze, like uh, insane. It, it, happens. it happens. So I guided elk hunts for ten years, and I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Either yeah. where they don't draw, and you're sitting behind your client, and you're like, I draw, right? And they're being no. quiet, and you're like, even though I'm touching you, like maybe they see something I don't. So I'm like, yeah. we'll hang out, you know. And like you're watching the bull, and it walks away, and you're like, there's probably a bigger one coming, you know. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, there's got to be something else happening here. They turn around, they start talking, they're like, that was cool, and I'm like, what? What do you mean it was cool? Like. You didn't shoot it. And they're yeah. like, but with that experience, I'm like, yeah. I want a day off of work. Shoot the elk. Do and, you not oh. want back straps? Right. And yeah, it, it happens all the time. And my favorite is when they can't draw their bow back, right? So, like, oh, they're, they're the East Coast, you know, guy, whitetail guy, and they come out elk cut, and they're like, man, I need a bigger bow. And, you know, the bull comes in. They're like, and you're like, do you need help? Yeah, that <laughs> is a thing. That, that is a thing that happens a lot. And, and even in the Midwest, like, when I whitetail hunt, in when it's cold, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oof. we did a, a a photo shoot one time, and it, so what I'll do a lot of times is I'll go do whitetail cr content creation, yeah. 
in like February or March yep. because I don't want to mess around with a videographer yeah. when I'm actually whitetail hunting because clearly that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like climbing the tree and then the videographer has to have me climb down and go up and oh, down yeah. and, and then like there's no whitetail left. So um, we do that kind of in the off season for photos and stuff. And um, I was shooting a target. So I was trying to draw, but it was the high of the day was zero. And oh my goodness, like I could barely draw my bow. I had so many clothes on and it was so cold. That is the worst. And a lot of people don't think about that. And there is kind of a rule of thumb to combat that, which is you're supposed to be able to draw your bow 10 times in a row from the sitting position. Like that's supposed to be like the jam. If you can do that, then you should in theory be able to do it when you mentally defunct. Yeah. Like cold, cold. too many clothes, whatever. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if it's all true, but um, it does make for interesting stories where you're like, why did you not do that? Right. And I, you can agree with me because you're the, you're the white, you're, you're the like Western Rocky mountain, right? Same as me. I don't think I've ever been as cold as I have sitting in tree stands in the Midwest. Like, and like I, I had not, shot a whitetail in my life until like four or five years ago yeah right so i've killed hundreds of muleys you know just like i'm a western guy so i went back on my first whitetail hunt and i was in illinois and i was in carbondale and that week was the coldest week they had had in like 40 years it wasn't even that cold it was like eight ten degrees yeah but like 97 percent humidity yeah so my buddy's like hey i want you to sit all day and I'm by myself, self-filming. He goes, it's going to get cold. Like, put on clothes. Yeah. So I, like, get out of the truck, and I'm like, it's cold, but it doesn't seem that it's cold. It's not so that bad. I put on stuff, and I sat there till like, noon, and I was, like, chattering my yeah. teeth. Like, to the point where, like, the audio camera work was done. Yeah. So I went back to my truck, and I put on all my ice fishing gear. I think I had, like, 15 layers on. And I was still freezing. And, like, it's so funny. I can ice fish in the most extreme conditions and, you know, elk hunt above tree line and 50-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah. And to this day, my coldest is sitting in tree stands sitting hunt, in tree where stand. you're, like, you just don't think about it, as, yeah. especially as a Western hunter. You know, we walk around so much, you can mm-hmm. deal with anything. But, oh. Well, and the other well. thing that I always found kind of laughable when before I started whitetail hunting is they're like, man, that's a long walk to that stand in the morning. And you're like, wait, this is like 600 yards across a field. This is not far. But I'm going to tell you, with as many clothes as I wear to keep yeah. warm, it is far. You have to start virtually naked. You walk to the tree. Then I spend 20 minutes putting on oh, yeah. all of my clothes at the bottom of the tree. And I won't even climb anymore without a lifeline because yeah. I have so many clothes on. <laughs> That I I can barely move, oh, yeah. and that jump from the top of the ladder, the hang on ladder, around. or or those little screw in steps from that to like getting into the stand is like I feel like a goat jumping from <laughs> cliff to cliff, like a mountain goat. If you just imagine this mountain goat doing this patriarch like jump, and that's me. I'm like da 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 da. <laughs> But uh, it's actually horrible because oh, yeah. I have uh, zero coordination and I practically fall out every time. So I'm I wear you. a lifeline now. I'm terrified. Well, I'm with you 100%. I'm yeah. the, the same. Tink's P-Fuser uses cutting-edge technology to conveniently release the Tink scent of your choice for up to seven hours. The battery-powered P-Fuser converts deer urine into an irresistible mist, diffusing scent for 30 seconds every two minutes. Whether it's Tink's number 69 doe and rut, number one doe pee, or trophy buck, you'll bring them in close with Tink's P-Fuser. 
right, we're we're back now we're after back. a brief intermission a there. Yeah, yeah. You and your coffee, you're always having to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I can't take you anywhere. Thankfully, there's one guy, one girl. We didn't have to do this as like a team. Right. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not what we were doing. Um, we, they had to open the event up, and so there was a lot of loud uh, noise disruption. So we, we kind of lost our flow a little bit we there. Did. It's did. okay. We're back. Absolutely. We're back. So I think we should kick it off talking about how um, you became a Ruger ambassador. Actually, you know what? Let's go farther back. Let's talk about how you are a wild animal and you um, like literally gave up doing everything in life just to be in the woods. <laughs> like you're like, I'm not doing anything else with life. I'm going to be in the woods. And you decided this at what, 17? 17. Yeah. So, so yeah, just, uh, I mean, honestly, as like a little kid, I was like, I'm going to be a fishing guy. Hold on. I'm going to do that. Okay. Good now? Much better. Much right. better. Are we sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm my whole life I'm gonna be a fishing guide. Yeah. Fish, 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 fish. Right. Were you? So, a, did your dad introduce you to fishing? Yeah, I wouldn't say on a talented level, but like he enjoyed the outdoors. Sorry, Dad. I'm you not get being zero me. He, he knows it. So he's like a push button Zebco missing guides, you know. But he loved it. So yes, he got me out there, and I'm like, I'm gonna take this to the next level. Yeah. Right. So I pursued it, and I like I was ready to drop out of high school to become a fishing guide. And I can't obtain. A I wanted to insinuate that without actually saying Nate wanted <laughs> that, to drop right. out of high school right, to right. be a fishing guide. So <laughs> you have to be 18 to get a guide license in the state of Colorado. Yeah. So they won't give it to me at like 16, 17 years yeah. old. And I can't get anybody to hire me. Oh. So I found an outfitter called Eagle Spirit Outfitters uh, in Colorado around Steamboat Springs. Um, awesome Awesome ranch, awesome hunting, uh, you know, all fair chase stuff. Not huge bulls, but a very successful outfitting service. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I want to work for you. And at 17, they're like, we'll hire you. So I could work okay. for an outfitter, just couldn't do it. So I could yeah. fall under their insurance, this and that. So uh, they hired me so I could start guiding it at 17 years old. Um, and and kind of got, you know, my flow, got set up with it. Uh, you know, missed a bunch of school and kind of kind of got that operation. Then graduated high school and then full-blown into hunting and fishing. And then gotcha. the hunting was just, it, it worked better for me. So so, yeah. you know, was an avid hunter, but had more the pursuit of being a fisherman and then just took off running with it. So I would be in the woods from like July to December, you know, mm -hmm. elk, deer, some bear, a few lions. Uh, and then, yeah, just took off with it. And then guided for 10 years and, you know, did a lot of filming and kind of just met everybody in the industry because everybody came to film with these guys. Uh, so it was Same great. outfit. Same outfit. 10 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it, so it was awesome. It was crazy because... I was the last guide hired, so I was the rookie for 10 years. I do all the airport runs, all the terrible scouting, Can all the pack outs. Can you imagine a 10-year grunt? It was awful. <laughs> like, literally every year I'm like, do we hire somebody new? They're like, nope. And I'm like, ugh. So uh, it was awesome. Then I kind of got out, not got out of hunting, but I stopped guiding, uh, still hunted for myself, and then kind of chased a passion of being a professional angler, did that, um, and then had a, a great friend um, who purchased a handful of, of outdoor businesses. Um, and he was like, hey, Nate, he goes, I need some energy brought to Gold Tip. He's like, can you come and help me with this kind of thing? Because you, you have no energy, so I don't well, know why the they wouldn't even like, ask you. You know, and it, it's funny. <laughs> He's the one that invented, like, the famous trademark of me holding my ball because I always hold a ball at all. All my stuff that I talk. You see me, I'm holding my Rip. imaginary ball right now. <laughs> so he brought me to Gold Tip and Bowtech and then kind of got me back in the industry and uh, started doing content and kind of fell into this like brand exclusive content thing. And uh, yeah, then uh, yeah, eventually landed at Ruger and uh, it's been awesome. So he landed so. at Ruger because that's what he does is go fishing. Yep. And he went fishing with some guys and they're like, uh, yeah, hey, 
VP of Marketing at Ruger, you guys should have this fishing guide of ours on your ambassador staff. Okay. And and actually, you know, it was his boss, yep. right, yep. Uh, that brought you in. And um, if I'm, I'm totally ad-libbing this story from no, hearing it once. <laughs> and it was like, you're doing this, so now you're in. Now I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. And you're and, great. And it's been awesome. You do a so. really great job. You So you're, you know, not only, you know, you have this extensive background of guiding and being an outdoorsman, but you're also a really great instructor, and you're doing stuff with different um, Hunter Ed programs yeah. through Colorado, and you're doing educational videos. So you're really a big proponent on safety and information and kind of encouraging that next generation yeah. of Hunter to get out there in the woods. I would say if you had to, like, pinpoint it, it is getting new people into the woods and learning how to do a lot yourself. So I grew up on that aspect of never being on a guided hunt, never, I don't want to say privilege, but never having the opportunity to hunt a lot of cool stuff, you know? So I kind of looked at the elk hunting. Says the guy that guided for 10 years. So (laughs) I'm looking at it and I'm watching these clients come in. You are that guy. And I'm like... Everybody should be able to experience this, yeah. you know. So that's where we kind of took it to the next level. So everything I do is like the education yeah. and the grind. It's so funny because my buddies will constantly like text me pictures, and they're like, "Man, don't you wish you were in this lodge right now?" We're like sleeping in the back of the truck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, but but I love it for that aspect because it's so neat to uh, we watch people, you know, whether we're doing it through a DNR agency, you know, line of content or or whatever. But we'll have people follow along, right? So we'll be like, hey, here's how you obtain your tag. And they'll do it. And then we'll be like, here's how we start scouting in, you know, June, July. You know, follow along with us. This is what mm-hmm. you should be doing. Um, and then they'll text us that picture in November. And they're like, success. dude, I got the tag. I scouted. And, and I was successful. And it's yeah. so neat to see that kind of process. No, that's know? what we love. And it is, and like, coming coming, you know, growing up in a hunting family, you don't realize how daunting it seems oh, yeah. the first time you decide you want to go hunting. Like, from the application process being extremely complex, which there are companies out there like Onyx that now has different services like Top Rut, which will help you withdraw yeah. odds, and they've got partnerships with Hunting Fool, and you know, Yogi and I use those services a lot to kind of figure out where we want to hunt. Yeah. So those those types of services have helped a lot. But like, if you don't know that they even exist, like, if you're coming outside looking in, it is so overwhelming. It's like, so Like, even, okay, so now I have a tag. Well, now what do I do when you show up in the parking yeah. lot and there's 50 people? <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> right? Like, oh, boy. And it is overwhelming. It is. And, and, and it is very, it can be, you know, quite competitive. And that is, unfortunately, that is the one thing that a lot of people say they quit hunting is because of lack of access. Yep. yep. Um, and so, you know, being able to look at that parking lot full of pe- 50 people and be like, look, I'm going in anyway. Yeah. Because I'm not letting this slow me down. This is everyone's public land, and we're all here for the same enjoyment, and I'm going to go make the best of this trip. And hopefully I have a little better glassing technique, (laughs) or I can shoot a little farther or better than somebody else. (laughs) That's it. So I I did a seminar at ISE this year about that, and I was like, all right, here's the concept, right? We're, We're on public land. There's a million people. The animals don't, like, get a spaceship out. No. Right? Like, they don't. So... I always say that I always let the biggest negative impact of every season be my kind of focus point to success. So, and you can look at it from any odds. You're like, all right, there's 8 million people. Like, I instantly step back, 
grab out Onyx, and you're like, where are they going to go? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's walking this trail. Like, the wind is doing this. There's people everywhere. Where are the animals going to go sink, you know, sanctuary? Where are they going to hide? What is the funnel point going to be? And use it to your advantage. Yeah. Same type thing when you're as well. At this show, if we talk to a hunter, especially like an elk hunter, we will hear the same excuse of, like temperature being their flaw. I'm like, oh, were you successful? They're like, no, it was too warm. Like everybody says that. The I'm animals like, are still there. I'm like, that's awesome. Like when it's warm, they're going to drink. When it's warm, yeah. they're going to go to bed early. Like yeah. the weather is going to tell you where the animals yeah. are at. It makes it easier in my yeah. opinion. You know? And so I think everybody wants a crunch. They want a flaw and they want to you know, blame an unsuccessful hunt on that. When if you look at it, you're like, hey, let that dictate what you're yeah. going to do as a hunter. Don't stick to your, you know, grind of, hey, this is my talent. You know, I'm a a caller, I'm a, you know, whatever, spot and stuff, whatever. Um, let those failures lead to success and just yeah. adapt to it. Well, we know. got smoked on public land this year. I showed up into like this honey hole that I'd hunted in the past and the tag was relatively difficult to draw and there was camps everywhere and Yogi'd never been there and I knew the spot I wanted to go, but we're like, oh, let's just spend a day and we'll yeah. zoom around it. I wanted to familiarize him with the area and we kind of wasted a day. I should have just went into my spot yeah. <laughs> because that was the spot, right? So we waste a day, and we get up an hour before daylight, and we hike in, and we get to this ridge top, and, and the deer I would have wanted to shoot was shot by someone else. Yeah. Was that, like, you had to restart after right, that. Right, right. So we, like, we, we watched this person walk off the mountain with a big buck I would have shot. We watched another guy shoot a different deer that was on a side-by-side, which we weren't. We walked into an area that you had to walk into. But the people that shot the deer, the, they were young young guys and, a, and there was actually a girl with them i give them kudos they yeah. got up two hours before daylight <laughs> instead of one hour before daylight yeah. and and so that you know sometimes that's what you have to do like you have to be willing to make that extra sacrifice oh, yeah. now like me i was like oh yeah well hour before daylight will be good negative not when someone else is getting up two hours before daylight and they are literally there the minute it is legal shooting light and you're yep. still halfway up the hill oh, yeah. right and so very humbling for me yep. um on like man maybe i'm getting old <laughs> these younger people are really getting the best of me now <laughs> oh it's so funny i had a public land hunt that i filmed and i watched this big bull right and we st- I found this bull from the day I saw him to the day I harvested him was 128 days. Yeah. Right? So I found him and watching him, and I was playing on archery hunting this big bull, and he was, like, scared of his own shadow. Like, a coyote would howl, and this big bull would run in the trees. Like, scared of everything. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to kill him with a bow. Like, he's pretty pretty sketchy. And so I kind of gave it up, and then I was like, I'll muzzleload him. And same thing. I'm like, oh, he's still a little weird. So I was like, I'm going to shoot him with a rifle first, you know, opening the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, like, a, a public land grab-any-tag-you-want type hunt. And uh, first rifle comes around, and he leaves the cows, like, three days before, and he goes into that little post-rut hideout phase. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, this is going to be a little tougher. So I, yeah. I took a late rifle hunt, and uh, I found him, and it's like third rifle. It's snowing cold, and I'm watching him for two days prior, and I'm just sitting on the bull, just sitting on the mountain watching him. And all of a sudden, for the first time, I see another hunter, and they see him, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, man, like, I've, I have a lot invested in this. Like, I've been watching him forever. A hundred days. You know, and I'm like, 
Nobody else can shoot them. Like that's gonna make me sad. <laughs> like you know? literally. So I uh, I actually pack out and I go talk to these guys and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, you know what's going on? I'm like, hey, like I don't want like weird stuff. I'm like, I'm watching a bull. Like you know, where are you gonna hunt tomorrow? And I'm like, not trying to hide it. And he goes, we're gonna hunt that elk. And I'm like, well, they're, you know, what, what's over there? And, you know, because there was three big bulls, and I don't know what they saw. And, you know, yeah. So I'm not, like, trying to, like, hide anything, but yeah. I'm also, like, you know, I'm like, hey. And they're like, well, like, good luck. We'll see you in the morning. So I'm like, ah. So I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm a young guy, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to sleep on the mountain. So it's a full moon, so I hike in. You can see with binos. I can see the bull. So I crawl within, like, 350 yards, and I just lay down and I sleep. Like, I lay. I shouldn't yeah. say I sleep. And I just sit there and sit there and sit there and just all night freezing to death above tree line all night Ooh. long. And uh, it gets light. Like, I'm literally, we, we, it's funny because we laid our phone there and we're just watching the time. We're like, we know, like, to there. Camera's rolling, got everything set up. And it's like three seconds into shooting, like, poof, I shoot the bull. And those guys came walking down like an hour later. He's like, Where'd you come from? I'm like, well, you told me you were going to be hunting here. I'm like, I, you know, I got a lot invested, so I just slept with him all night. <laughs> that's yeah. But it reminds me of those people that got up early. That's what I'm talking it's about. It's crazy because yeah. it's the public land game. Oh, you know yeah, what I yeah mean? it's really There's rough. There's so much to we it. We spent, crazy. for that deer hunt, so this honey hole of mine kind of got foobarred at that point because two deer were harvested in the same morning, and, and yeah. it turned out that group, they, they hunted a lot of deer in there. And so we spent... 11 total days on a no shower <laughs> the last part of the hunt we we were six days in a two-man tent after 11 like 11 yeah. total with no shower like and we were in a That's two-man tough. tent yogi and that i and tough. it was brutal and and it was so hot during the day that we were getting up two hours before daylight to get to a glassing point where there was deer where we yeah. could see deer and figure out where they were going to bed we'd have 30 minutes yep and we find, yeah, th- <laughs> then, then that, that was it. We would average six miles a day. One day we did almost 15 miles. And there was a, a big wide four by four that we saw. And I could have shot him. He was at 750 yards. And I'm like, man, I can't, I'm not shooting this deer standing yeah. on a tripod. Like, I'm just not comfortable standing with this shot. It's just not a great shot. I'm like, let's, I'm like, let's regroup. Let's go down and get closer to him and, and we'll get him down there. Well, that sagebrush is as tall as me, and we lost him. Yep. And so Yogi and I get, we, we're on his track. We're literally tracking him in the sand, and we sit down for lunch, and I'm, like, kind of defeated, and we're talking, and we're being loud, and la, la, la. And we eat our lunch, and we stand up, and this is wide open sagebrush country. We stand up and walk 20 yards, and that buck was laying the whole time 80 yards from us. No way. <laughs> Jumps up like somebody just slapped him on the butt. And takes off running, and I'm like, this is, you know, we're this isn't happening. nine days into this hunt. This is the biggest deer we've seen. He's an old, big desert muley. Not not big horned, yeah, yeah. but big bodied. You know, he's crab claw. Yeah. We, we ended up going to an area with really bad genetics. Um, and, well, they had hunted uh, four point or better for yeah. the unit for a long time. So you have all these big fork and horns and yeah, three yeah. points, and they just trash the genes. Anyway. So I was like so disappointed. Last morning of the hunt, and I'm looking in these cliffs because we'd seen yeah. some bucks up there, and we're like thousands of vertical feet, and I'm like, I don't want to go up there. We're exhausted. Yeah. We've been out there for like nine days at this point. And I'm like, we're going to have to go up there. And Yogi's like, I don't want to go up there. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, we have to go up there because we need to find one of these bucks we've yeah. been looking at. They were just four by fours. They weren't and nothing impressive. 
And I'm like, we have to go up there. And he's like, I don't want to go. And so he keeps watching the desert and he spots this buck and it's just a big old three by three. And I'm like, Let, let's do it because it's low. And I'm like, I don't want to climb up there. <laughs> Thousands. It was like 2000 vertical climb. I'm like, I don't want to do it anyway for those little four by fours. Let's shoot this big old three by three. So I'm like, keyed up, going to shoot this deer. And he comes in. And then all of a sudden he runs out and there's a saddle and Yogi ranges him. He's like, oh, he's 450. Some standing tripod, boom, shoot the deer. He runs and kind of humps up again. Boom, I shoot him again. And we get down there and we get 100 yards from the deer and he's laying under a tree sick. And um, Yogi's like, that's, that's not the deer you shot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It has to be. This is where the deer went, right? Well, the 3x3 three three had kicked up that big old 4x4. Four four. Oh, no way. And when he ran out, we saw a big frame, and I shot thinking it was this big old 3x3. Three yeah. three. I actually ended up shooting inadvertently the same deer yeah. we had tried to shoot a couple days no before. No kidding. And he oh, had awesome. done, like, this big, huge mule deer circle, went to the exact same ridge that I had spotted him the first day where I passed on the shot, and he would just hide from us in there. He, it is unbelievable. So, you know, you think about these big mule deer bucks, and you're like, oh, it's a wide open sage. You, if you sit in glass long enough, you're going to see him. Yeah, no yeah. problem. <laughs> no. And then you, you start walking around this sagebrush, and these, these bushes are as tall as me, and they kind of circle up, and they have like a swoop to them. And at the bottom of them, they'll have these carved out little padded sandy beds yeah, yeah. where they can just oh, yeah. suck underneath the sagebrush, <laughs> and they're out of the sun all day long. And they just literally vanish. And this old buck, I, I aged him probably seven, eight years okay. old. Had been doing this for his whole life, and he That's just it. worked in a big circle. He had his home area, and I just got lucky. Yeah. Like, I got flat out lucky. I literally, you know, Yogi's like freaking out. He's like, oh, well, we have to be really careful. We don't want to shoot two deer. I'm like, we can't shoot. This is, we're not going to shoot two yeah, deer. Yeah. Like, this is where the deer went <laughs> that I just shot. Like, because we were thinking it was this oh, big yeah, old three yeah, by three. Yeah. It was insane. But That's we, crazy. Like, in perseverance. I mean, so it was like 10 days in. Yeah. And we finally got my deer last morning. And, and that's the problem with public land is a lot of people just quit too soon. Yep. You know, and, and that is the challenge of hunting public land. Like, you know, you, you, know, you do a book a hunt with an outfitter or something. They're like, yep. oh, yeah, we do a five-day hunt. Whitetails a lot of times three-day hunts and oh, you're yeah. successful. And with public land, you have to have that ability or at least that the mental mindset. fortitude to, to be like, yeah, this could be. We could be 10 days out here, oh, yeah. and it's it, without a shower, with crappy food, and being tired, and you just get progressively more tired. Yep. And, and um, But that's, you know, that's just, that's what it takes to hunt on public yeah. land. And, and sometimes you get lucky, and, you know, you're successful right yeah, away. Yeah, and, yeah. and other times it is, I mean, we were grinding hours before daylight to oh, hours yeah. after dark, trying to get in because it was so hot, and, it, and you just keep going. Yeah. You just got to keep yeah. going. So I got... Two things here real quick. So, number one, the more that we see the athletic hunter becoming a thing, right? Because yeah. everybody yeah. reads the books, they watch the podcast, whatever, and they're like, we got to go as far back as we can. I can't tell you in the last three years since that's really taken off how much success I have had closer. Now, I'm not yeah. like, I'm not promoting like driving around in the truck and glass, yeah. but I can't tell you how many times at those peak trailheads yeah. where everybody's going in hours before and like, the animals are right there because they're blowing out the backcountry and they're pushing them close. Yeah. Like animals are okay with vehicles. It's the people they tend yeah. to free. So the more that there's like hunters back there, I can't tell you how many 
success stories I've heard yeah. of where it's like, I'll go in the one mile instead of the four. Yeah. And then like glass that stuff and you find that success. But how are you on the mental side of things? So like, I'm a mental hunter and angler. Like, if I get psyched out, a miss, can't find the right animal, watching the animal I'm after get shot, like, if I stay in the field and grind, I'm unsuccessful. Like, I have to clear the head. So I'm totally one that will hunt three, four, five, ten days, whatever. And when I get that, like, mental loss, I have to reset. Like, I have to come out of the woods, shower, get good food, you know, see my wife, kids, whatever. I have to, like, check in and then go back out. If I stay out, I'm not successful. Like, can you push through the the negative mindset? Yeah, you know, I'm not much for quitting. I just kind of keep out there. But, like, in in some situations, you know, um, I get very repetitive in where I'm looking or what I'm doing because that's where they were. And and so I have to really focus on being just because you've seen something in one spot doesn't mean they're always going to be in that spot. And so that's it for me is almost remaining open-minded. Like, um, okay, well, just because we saw something here doesn't mean they're still going to be there. Um, We did a book cliffs hunt for deer. Uh, I drew it two years ago and we hunted before the season and I shot my deer the second to last day of season and that was really tough because there is a lot of driving on that hunt and there's a few ridges the deer would come down and everybody knew where it was and so it just be kegged up with people and um we we saw we found a like I, I, this deer comes running out of this bottom and it's mid 170s deer and I want to shoot him and I'm with my husband and my cousin and they're like oh we can get a bigger deer <laughs> we can get a bigger one this is a once in a lifetime tag let's get this bigger deer and I'm like okay so we <laughs> let this deer go and the next day I wanted to die yeah. because we roll into my spot and there had been a oil field worker see the same deer they saw us glassing and then they they made a phone call watch the guy in my spotting scope make a phone call the next day a big outfitter had come in with a client with non-resident license plate there was like 10 dudes and they surrounded the deer where he had been the day before blocked off every entrance everything this is like the biggest deer we've seen in 10 days and i I'm like, this was my plan B deer, yeah. right? Like, I, I want to shoot him. My husband and my cousin are like, oh, wait for a bigger one. Like, 175 to 180 really is it's five inches. What's five Absolutely. inches? Five inches, you know, but I get talked out of it. And so I, I okay, I do, I, we do a vote. Yeah. Democracy is not always the best policy. <laughs> but um, so we, anyway, so we walk away from this deer and the next day, this deer is covered up with all these hunters and, and guides and outfitters blocking everything. And I, 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 was, I was sick. Like, I wanted yeah, to die. Yeah. Like, we went back to, to town that night. And, and I'm like, dude, this is bad. Like, we're not seeing anything. We weren't seeing anything. We weren't seeing anything. And second to the last day of season, we, we split up. My husband went to one glassing spot. My cousin went to another. And my husband texts me. He's like, there's a deer down here. It's so far away. I can't tell what it is. But you and Ben might want to circle over there. So we, we do. It, it's the same deer. Oh, really? Okay. I've had a couple of those stories, yeah. right? Same deer. Anyway, I get the deer. But as I'm, like, going to shoot the deer, some dude rides in. There's a bicycle <laughs> race. And this dude, Seriously? like, rides in on a bicycle. And he spooks all the deer. They take off running. Anyway, I ended up getting the deer, um, but it was it was an absolute grind. Yeah. And and I think with a lot of it is it is so mental. Like, yeah. but for me, if I if I were to just be like, 
F it, I'm going home, yeah, yeah. it would be bad. We, there was one day where we got so much rain. It was like a monsoon, and I'm like, I'm not yeah. going out there. See, I just, I just need the one little check. Like, it yeah. might only be an hour, but yeah. sometimes I'm like, you know what? Like, I need to reset, get some food, get some coffee, whatever. Like, let's just start fresh. And I'm that's all, all about the food. I'm all you about know? the food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so funny. So my wife. As long as I have food and clothes, I'm okay. Food. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to have something to eat, and I have to be warm. Yeah, yeah. That's Warm it. Thing. So my wife's like five foot nothing. Drew a Colorado moose tag a couple years ago, and like I'm trudging her through like the what the water the oak like beating her up on it. And same thing. So in three and a half days, we saw 27 bulls. Right. So it's pretty epic moose hunting. And all I'm telling her is I'm like once in a lifetime you get one bull moose. Like we are finding a giant. So on like the third three and a half day. We're on this, like, 51-inch, 50-inch bull. I mean, he's everything you look for. He's just kind of weak on the front tines. he got a massive spike and some stuff. And I'm like, I don't think he's the one. And she's like, what? He's gigantic. Like, his palms are huge. Why? Like, he's got everything you want in a moose. And I'm like, I don't think so. And she looks at me. She's like, J- just, you know, quick question. Can I kill him on the last day? I'm like, oh, absolutely, on the yeah. last day, just yeah. not today. She's like, I'm shooting the moose right now. That's <laughs> you know? right. That's she's right. just like, all you keep telling me is no, no, yeah. no. And yeah. she's like, I am shooting him right yeah. now. And she did. <laughs> she did. Good for her. You know what? And that is the thing. I, with that deer in particular, yeah. you know, we passed on him. And then, and then two days later, my cousin looks at me and he's like, I think. <laughs> think we made a mistake exactly. and i'm like you think yeah you think she, we she's made like, a mistake so if you'd be excited on the last day to have him we're shooting him right now and i should have <laughs> known we'd already been there 10 days yeah. i should have known like hey we've been here 10 days this is the biggest deer yeah. we've seen in yeah. 10 days exactly. we have three or four we have three or four days left of the season yeah. and i'm like this that was dumb don't yeah. ever you your wife was right I mean, and it's so funny because when I guided, it was always like, don't ever pass up on the first two. You take on the last. That's but then right. when it's her tag, I'm like, we're oh, not, not shooting we're that. Not She's doing like, that. yes, we are. <laughs> you know? Your wife is a smart lady, and I like her for this. Yeah. I, the problem for me is I'm so not picky yeah. that it's really hard. But this year, whitetail season was the first time for me where I really hunted age. So in the past, I've been like, oh, it's a big eight. It's a nice eight. And boom, I shoot it or I draw my bow and I shoot them. And this year, I didn't shoot a whitetail because I had found a big mature 10 I wanted. And I'm like, I'm not shooting anything younger than that deer or smaller than that deer. And I saw him a couple of times, never got a shot on him, and I didn't kill him. And, I, and I'm like, you know what? These, these beautiful eights that we're seeing... Yep. We got them on camera. They came into the decoy, making, you know, scrapes. It was beautiful footage, but I'm like, they're going to be here next year. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be better. And if I kill them this year, guaranteed they're never getting better. And I'm not going to get a bigger deer if I keep shooting these smaller, younger deer. Younger being the operative word. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... (laughs) And I just, uh, I didn't shoot a whitetail this year. And that was one of the first times where I'm like, no. There's this one that had these long brow tines, like nine, ten inch brow tines. And Yogi's like, we need to shoot this deer. And I'm like, eh. It's hard, The only thing that made us want to shoot the deer was his brow tines. But imagine this year when I'm going to have this tag. But it it does get hard to where, like, you have to be... Okay, if I walk away from this animal and this opportunity, am I going to be mad at myself? That's how you have to look at it, is the disappointment after, because that's yeah. what you have to really think yeah. about. Is this going to be something I'm like, you know what, yeah, I didn't shoot a deer this year, but I'm okay with it because, 
or I didn't shoot that deer and now I hate myself the rest of my oh, life. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, how are you going to feel? And it's so hard. I don't think anybody realizes what it's like to, to, number one, have to get an animal on camera. Yeah. Number two, multiple animals. So you talk to people that film their hunts, right? And I'm like, how many hunts you film this year? They're like, well, just the one. Yeah. And it's awesome footage. And I'm like, can you imagine having to get five, six, eight, ten animals on camera in a fall to where you go from hunt to hunt to hunt? And I don't think people realize that because, like, me, all you know, you have those hunts, right, where – the footage is epic. And this is like our, you know, podcast off camera, so we're allowed to talk about whatever we want. And like there's times where I look up my cameraman and I'm like, man, I don't know if he's the deer. And my buddy's like, dude, we have epic footage. The light's awesome. He's like, you decide right now, is this for you or is this like a cool hunt? He goes, yeah. This is a cool hunt. The footage is great. Yeah. I think you're going to be disappointed if you don't shoot it knowing what we have footage of. Yeah. And that's where it gets so hard for yeah. like us because there's times where I'm like, yeah, you know, camera's off. I'm going to find yeah. the biggest bull, the biggest yeah. buck in the world. But like getting that same animal on camera sometimes mm -hmm. doesn't happen. I can't be with yeah. the camera guy. I need to be running through the bush alone. You know, yeah. it's so hard sometimes to make those decisions. Yeah. It's like our career is hunting, but like you get personal. It, it, it's tough. Well, and the thing is, is the, uh, the people that consistently harvest big, old, mature class animals, um, it's a couple factors for that. They're really good yeah. <laughs> or lucky slash good and lucky. Yep. Or, you know, a lot of times they're paying for access, yep. you know. Um, and, and so when you're on public land, if you have an animal in front of you that is a good representation yeah. of what the area holds, yep. it's really tough to pass on that. Because so, finding that next level could mean you go home with nothing. And and then when you're paying someone a daily rate and all yep. this stuff and it's, you know, yeah, it's it's a lot to you you have to balance that out, right? And I think about that too cuz it's like there's times where I'm going to like you're on that buck that's like that is a great deer. You're like, should I pass him to let him live to grow older? Mm -hmm. But then you're like are the 30 dudes in the parking lot going to pass him? So yeah. like I'm trying like it's great, right? Your you hunter know, conservation It's a 170 inch deer, but the opportunity of him going to 180, 190 is a possibility. But like, is he going to survive that? Is anyway? he going to survive anyway? Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. And yeah. Especially on the public land side, especially on the filming side, it, it's so hard. And you know, I, I watch some higher produced stuff, like like you. You know, your quality of imagery is unbelievable. It's just like that's so much work in the field. It's yeah. Crazy. You guys, if you're like me, you are totally dependent on OnX Hunt for nearly everything from hunting, navigating backcountry roads, even real estate. But being an elite member with OnX has so many benefits that you guys are going to want to take advantage of if you're not already doing so. For example, you're going to have access to all 50 states plus Canada with tons of valuable resource, landowner information, and you're also going to get added benefits like draw odds with top rut that will help you with all of your application seasons and benefits through hunting Fool magazine and to boot you guys they've got tons of great specials through partners like silencer central where if you're an on x elite member you really benefit from those partnerships so if you guys aren't a member i encourage you go online to the on x hunt website use code wild 20 at checkout and you're going to save 20 percent you're going to love being an Onyx Hunt Elite member. I literally bring in the field with me a, a 
a production book. Yeah. And every day we're like, okay, we're going to kick out shots of this, 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 and this. And it takes away from the hunt because you have to stop and do it. I love it. I mean, I, man, I get to do what I love every day. Um, And so, but you do have to treat it, you know, really kind of objectively (laughs) and be like, we have objectives to fulfill today. And these are the things that we have to do. And, and it is hard when you invest so much and you don't get a harvest, but at the end of it, there's so many people that are in our same shoes that invest so much and don't have a harvest. I mean, that's the reality of hunting. And that's also what keeps us coming back. A hundred percent. You know, we're addicted to what the what ifs, wish I woulda, shoulda, coulda. I mean, that big eight point, man, I'm going to be in Missouri this year and it's (laughs) going to be a real cool episode if he comes back around and we actually get that deer or the 10 that I saw last year, you know, that I didn't get and or you know what I mean? Like, so that's what keeps us. We dream about these animals. We think about them. It's it's mentally consuming. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, the public like, land's the worst as far as yeah. the consuming. Because you're just like, is somebody else going to get him? Is he going to be there? You know, mm-hmm. how many trucks are going to be in the parking lot? Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny because my wife will, like, get upset at me. Because it does. Like, I'll find these, you know, especially on the elk side, I find these massive, you know, public land bulls. And they're like... No points. I mean, yeah. it is, General. you know, like this year I, I'm, I killed a, a bull that'll, I mean, he'll, he'll make book, you know, so he'll probably be at that 380 level yeah. on like no points, yeah. you know, public land type deal, which is such a feat. But in the, other words, Nate sucks at all hunting. The, the days so. leading up to it, you are like a basket <laughs> case, yeah. you know, cause you're like, I want to be there watching, but you're like, I don't want to be in the area cause I want to draw attention and yeah. like, Oh, it's a mental. Yeah, it's just like, what am I going to do? You're damned if you do, damned if you <laughs> exactly. don't. Yeah. It is really yeah. hard and it is frustrating and, and. But it, that's what's uh, such an it's adrenaline addicting. rush. Oh, yep. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know? And and it is. That's what happened with whitetail season for us this year is I wanted this big 10. I passed on everything. And I'm like, okay, one more day. Yep. <laughs> okay, one more day. One more day. We were bow hunting during gun season. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Literally. Because I'm like, one more day, one more day. There. The day after we left, that buck was under my stand. That's the worst. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? That's the worst. And my yeah. outfitter is like, come back down, hunt him. And I'm like, yeah. I don't have time. <laughs> I did the one more day game so long yeah. that I'm out of time. Yep. <laughs> but it actually worked out because my husband um, went scouting in Wyoming. I was like, I got to have a few days off. I went and played with baby mules. And he went scouting and he found, uh, must have found like a hot doe on public land in Wyoming, which for whitetail, there's not really great yeah. whitetail habitat on public um, and he took an eight point, a nice little young eight pointer. Um, and the next day he's like, you got to go back in there. I think there's a hot dose. So we go in there and we rattle in this buck and I'm not, I mean, I see it's a buck. He's got yeah. a good frame. I'm not looking that closely. Right. Yeah. And I shoot the buck and he's like a big 10. I'm like, I'm no sorry, kidding. husband. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like he just does all this scouting. I'm playing with baby mules, right. taking a little sabbatical. <laughs> just show up as a five-minute hunt. That's awesome. <laughs> After spending 10 days, you though, I was okay those, with it. I was know? like so thankful. It's so funny because I've had so much of a grind, you know, doing the public land game my whole life. And when you get one of those easy ones, you're like you sit back and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Like, I am yeah. so appreciative of, yeah. of one of those nice ones. You know, I, I had a lion hunt this year that was semi-easy. And uh, I'm sitting there talking to my buddy, and he's just like, huh? He goes, that doesn't happen that much. I'm like, dude. Never. Like, never. Yeah. Like, you know, it's almost like you're like, pinch me. Is this real? Like, yeah. am I really standing under the tree after, like, a 30-minute hike and not a nine-hour hike? Yeah. <laughs> you know? We had – I had an easy whitetail hunt this year. The biggest whitetail I've ever harvested was in Kansas. And – 
this deer was on camera for two weeks and I'm in Colorado elk hunting and, and my outfitter's like, you got to come hunt this deer. He's, he's coming by this stand every day for two weeks. He's like, you got to come hunt him. I'm like, man, I can't. I got AWA. I've got all this stuff. I can't get there. So I had like three days in between stuff and Kansas was on our way home. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to Kansas and I want to hunt this deer. Well, the wind is wrong. Okay. So we had to sit in a hotel and wait for the wind to be right, praying this deer shows up, right? So yep. we have pictures of him Sunday night when we're driving there. He was there. Pictures of him. Monday, no pictures. Okay. Tuesday morning, no pictures. Uh. Tuesday night was our night to sit after we sat for two days in a hotel. So we're like, okay, this is the only night for the next week that the wind is right. So we go and sit. I don't even know if the deer is still there anymore because yeah. we don't have a picture of him for a day and a half. And thank God he was still there, oh, no, and I got him. But it was—I almost—I mean, it was, you know. People are like, "Oh yeah, all you did was just walk in and shoot this deer," and it's like, dude, I've been hunting this farm yep. for four years, and not only that, but like I sat in in a on the sidelines waiting for yep. the wind for days, yep. and you know, like it's not like this just happened overnight. Like we've been watching this deer yeah. on camera now, and. You know, but sometimes you do get lucky and it oh, does yeah. seem easy or feels easy, but also it's not. Like that never, that's never happened for me. Normally yeah. the deer I see on camera, I never have an opportunity oh, on yeah. hunting, right? So it's almost like chasing the wind too because like I've seen all these deer in Missouri on camera, like, you know, mid 150s, 160s. Like we had this big, beautiful, wide, short tined 10 that was coming in for three years i watched him on camera saw the deer on the hoof once or twice never ever had him in bow yeah. range and and so deer's tough. gone yep. so it's like even if you have these great pictures it doesn't mean that you're going to just oh, be no. able to walk in no. and be like oh yeah no problem bada bing bada boom and i yeah. think there's something to be said about that because i actually did a seminar at a major sports show about wind right and yeah i had such dedicated people that i was so excited because everybody's like what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know what it's like? Because the average hunter, right, you get excited. You have a picture. You see it. Whatever. And everybody charges in. And everybody pushes their limits. And that's where I think the hunter graduates to, like, the next level is when you're like, nope, we're going to get one shot in a week. You know, whether it's a, a wind thing or just a, an approach thing where you're like, we have to time it just yeah. right. And yeah. and not blow hunt because well, 99% blow the hunt because they're like, oh, we're going to try. Let's just see know. what happens. Well, or you might have the wind right, but maybe they're, like, especially for mule deer, if they're bedded in a bad spot. Yeah. Like, dude, just wait. Like, he's yep. going to bed somewhere else tomorrow. And just find him. him tomorrow and, and have the wind and have the right location. once you blow it, you're done. You're done. You get one shot at yeah. most of these really most mature of them. animals. Yeah, most of them. Uh, especially with a bow. It's real tough. Oh, it's um, crazy. We had, uh, yeah, we had this crazy hunt where we were scouting these deer in these fields down below us. And they were like all these green, beautiful fields. And all of a sudden we see all these bucks. And my producer, Nick's like, where did those deer come from? <laughs> and they had come from behind us down this big sandy face. And it was just crazy. And... Um, like they were in there was nothing out there but yeah, sand yeah. so they must have been like bedding behind sandstone or something okay. i don't even know what no they, i have no clue anyway the next day we went up there and the deer started to come back up where they had went down the night before and we just ambushed them and it is the craziest it was the coolest um mule deer hunt that i've done spot and stock i think because the deer come up and they're coming up the sandy face there's, I mean, it looked like Afghanistan, oh, no and they're just <laughs> panting, <sighs> and that we slow mode it, 
and the deer are panting, and you can see the four by fours antlers, the shadow of his antlers yeah. in the sand oh, that's before cool. he steps that's out. That's really cool. And he steps out, and he's 35 yards, and I'm at full draw when he steps out, and I just pinwheel him. And it, it it's some of the coolest footage because when he I spins, the yeah. sand goes flying off his feet. and It was like this badass ambush. <laughs> like, never again am I doing this cool. And and it was a hunt that I genuinely thought I'm never going to be successful. Yeah. It was a... Um, it was a public land that had public access in front of it to some private yep. um, through like a walk-in sign-in area. And the people were hunting it. Like yeah. there's, you know, a lot of okay. people out there hunting. I'm like, this is never going to work. Yeah. And <laughs> first morning, 7 a.m., I was done. I'm like, yeah. this was a miracle from uh, God. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, so awesome. Never, and it's some of the coolest footage. I'll never forget that. Hunt. Yeah. Like it was just incredible. unreal. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was going to be a total just. That is so funny. You just don't know, though. Oh, no. Talking about shadows, I had a shadow hunt. I was on a sheep hunt, and I put this big ram to bed, right? And I'm like, he's tucked in behind that rock. Like, this is a slam dunk. I get up there, and I'm 11 yards, and I got a few other rams, like, really small that I can't shoot, and I see the, the curls of the shadow. And I was like, I can see his shadow perfectly, oh. and I can't see him. So I'm like, for five six hours i'm like moving around this rock trying to see him and i can't all i can see is shadow i can see like hair shadow horn shadow and there's other ramps so i can't get to where i go and i don't even get the shot so like six seven hours and finally this little half curl stands up and like walks to me it's like i'm in i'm sitting here i'm not in full job but i'm like ready is this bighorn bighorn and he's like licking my arrow on this little half curl and I spook him because I, I start shaking. So I'm like, I'm sitting here for hours. And the big ram jumps up and runs away. So I literally, but it's so funny because you. Did you, you get a ram? No, I did not. <laughs> so I have a. That is the worst have, unhappy ending. I have the most <laughs> epic picture of me of this little half curl, like inches from my arrow. And the big ram stands up and I have a picture of it and I can't shoot anything. That is insane. <laughs> but you just said that about the shadow of that buck walking in. And it's just crazy. It takes you back of all your oh, memories. Oh, man. And I will never forget this full curl broomed off shadow just doing this at 11 yards. And I'm like, I just wanted Where to, like, I'm you? like, please, like, yeah. just step out. Yeah. And nothing for, like, six, so seven hours. can you draw again then? I can draw again. Yep. So... We're in Colorado, you can have multiple ram tags. So after you harvest, you're in a dead period for five years. Okay. Then you start your application again. So I had endless opportunities um, at smaller rams. Uh, but not. But if you kill, then you're out for five years. Yeah. So um, we're not going to talk about it on this podcast. I did miss several times on this hunt. I'm not going to talk so about it on this podcast. <laughs> skip that. Um, so there was a lot of it's, missing that going on. At one point it I was had a to, little like the coyotes. At one point I had to go to town and get arrows. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I, I was unsuccessful. So I couldn't figure out angles. Ah, uh, yeah. So I, I, I practiced. Like, I'm shooting off my roof and I'm shooting, you know, I shoot tree stands and, and I shoot good and I get up on my first ram, right? And just, I'm like, I'm running my range fire and I click it and my first shot is a 55 degree angle and I'm like, it's pretty steep. I'm like, so I'm looking at my little chart, you know, and I'm like, I don't have anything for 55 degrees. So I'm like, I switch the range finder to, you know, to do the angle and I'm like, let's try it. And I miss and I'm like, man. Like, that's probably a freak thing that it's that steep. So then I go to the next one, and, like, multiple rams, I cannot find one that is shallower than it. Like, at one point, I'm tying off to lay over to shoot them. And I, I can't figure out the angle to save my life, and I never could. Like, at one point, I backed off of a ram, and I called Tim Gillingham from Bowtech, who, or, and, and who shoots for gold tip. And he's like, you know, he's like the angle shooter of the world. And I'm like, 
what do I do? So he's like, what, what is it? I'm like, you know, it's 55 yards, like 60 degree angle. He goes, shoot it for 11. I'm like, 11? I don't have an 11 yard pin. You know what? That's you where you're know? doing things wrong. You got to get the, the new Trophy Ridge I was uh, not digital there. react I was site. not there. And, uh, but you yeah. can't use digital in Colorado I can't use anyway. Digital, yeah. you know? But so they, do have, they do have React technology in the non digital version. Need, yeah. You needed that. I didn't and that's it. what I do, not to like totally do Oh, no, I get it. But their their new React technology, that it is point of aim, point of impact. Yeah. Like when I want to shoot fifty five yards, I dial fifty five. When I want to shoot yeah. fifty two, I dial fifty two. Oh yeah. And it has improved my confidence. Oh yeah. I'm not splitting pins anymore. I'm not I was doing guessing wreck, anymore. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's what it's just like. You're so fifty five yards, and you're shooting eleven yards at that severe of an angle. You yeah. know. So because it's really thirteen thousand eight right feet. here. I mean, it's yeah. it. It's, you know, and like he's like shoot for eleven. And I'm like. Dude, I get a 20-yard pin. Like, yeah. Where do I shoot? You know, and he's like, you're out of luck. He's <laughs> like, oh. So. That's anyway, frustrating. She picked my butt. Greatest hunt of my entire life. Yeah. It was the most unsuccessful hunt I've ever had and the greatest hunt I've ever been on. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, it was, yeah. it was crazy. I, I lost 42 pounds in a season. You don't have 42 <laughs> pounds to lose. I was like, I was like... A starving person. Like I, I just I was hunting 17, 18 miles a day above tree line. I mean, I was like after it. I oh found man. every sheep in the unit, and I just couldn't couldn't put an arrow in one. That's <laughs> really hard, and that's the beauty of bow hunting. Also, it was awesome. you know, I mean, um, it was really cool. It is crazy how much technology has changed bow hunting, and and how bow hunting will humble you. There's I've missed, I've missed some deer that. Um, makes me question everything in my oh life. Yeah. So I've I've gone to the lightest arrow that I possibly can to have the correct <laughs> amount of energy yeah. uh, because I, I shot over the back of a deer, like a, a mid-160s deer in Missouri a couple years ago, and I used my 30-yard pin, and he was 25, and my arrow <laughs> went basically where I aimed, <laughs> yeah. and it went, I held right on his back, you know, with the 30, and I'm like, oh, the 20's on his body, but I'm, you know, 30's right yeah. here, 20, eh, this is good, and I shoot, and he ducks a little, I mean, I literally shot the hair off the top of his back, and uh. my outfitter's like, what are you, you're running these arrows that are so flippin' heavy, yep. my, my friend David Westmoreland, he's really great with whitetail, and he's killed more big whitetail yeah. than anybody I know in the country. And he's like, why are you shooting such a heavy arrow? Like this, the difference for you between 20 and 25 yards is so significant. He's like, you're stupid. And he's like, taps me on the forehead. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So I lightened up my arrows and I, I, and I went away from these ultra heavy arrows to the, the lightest arrow I can shoot and still have enough energy to be successful on elk. And so I, it changed everything for me because the following year, I shot a deer. I ranged him at 30. He walked into 25, and I shot him high. Yep. And I killed him. Yeah. But it on camera, it did not look oh, very yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, and, and so it was, um, it, it's just, you know, it's that balance of your equipment. So it what is. are your objectives? What can you get away with being a short draw length oh, yeah. and, and lighter poundage? I mean, I'm pulling like 58 pounds. That's a lot, but... I, but I have yeah. a 26-inch draw yeah, length, yeah, yeah. so I'm not getting a lot, right? Yeah, like, yeah. my IBO is, like, 265, yeah, yeah. you know? So, um, it's pretty slow. So, I'm, I'm trying to find that balance always. And with whitetail, I almost want to go to an even lighter arrow yeah, than yeah. I do for elk. <laughs> because <laughs> that five, well, yeah, that five-yard yeah. difference, oh, man. Yeah. Like, it makes a huge deal, uh, you know. And, and then and then I'm panicking, like, second-guessing constantly. Oh, yeah. and and Because um, I don't want to shoot over one again. I don't yep. want to... Um, yeah, I don't want to, so. uh, anyway, we're, we're, I guess we're out of time here. 
what time is it? Okay, it's fine. We're good. Well, yeah, we got. I can be ten minutes late. Yeah, Yogi's uh, my my husbandager. I just saw it. We're, he, he's like we're, on. We're out. Well, we have a. Li- I you don't. I, I don't. have a ladies' luncheon that I'm gotta go I'm to gonna, here. I'm gonna work on my coffee. Yeah. Well, I drink mine, no. so well, you know what that means. Right. <laughs> uh, we taking intermission pretty soon. <laughs> um, no. That ba- that pounders thing is big. I I shoot an 80 pound bow, 82 pounds, and okay, everybody's Cameron like, Haynes. everybody's like, why do you gotta do that? It's flat. I can shoot literally 20 to 50 yards on one one pin, pin. and it's so funny because I I agree. Like it hurts my shoulder. It's like it's I have to stay in shape all year for yeah. that reason yeah. but it is so amazing yeah. i can miss range all day long yeah. and i and i hit so and you're, it's called what like he's that. talking about is max point blank right your danger space so at yeah. 20 yards you're going to impact high at 50 yards you're going to impact probably a little low yeah, yeah. on danger space but and that danger space changes whether you're hunting elk or deer so yeah. with elk i don't stress as much from 20 to 40 yards yeah. if i set a 40 yard yep. zero after 40 yards though I had better range because yep. three steps on elk oh, for me yeah. makes a big difference at distance. And so I I um, I can do the max point blank not as effectively as you can. Yeah, yeah. So no. I mean, there's something said, yeah, again, everybody's like, oh, wait, you're trying to be tough. And it's like, man. No, you're you, trying like, to be effective. You know, that's it. Like, I, I don't have to let down. I don't have to do anything. That yeah. bull, you know, he can walk around for a while and I can still make the shot. So Yeah, and, nice. and, and that is a very comforting feeling. So yeah. if they're really close, what do you just hold your pin to the low side of the that, body then? Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And if so they're you, Farther you hold it, you float it a little higher. Yep, yep. Exactly. And you're going to hit that spot because they so. do have a terminal space of like 18 inches. So it's yep. pretty, yep. pretty significant. Absolutely. I know we watched my dad last year and um, he shot a bull, beautiful bull. And, and he was holding 50 yards. He's like, oh, it's 50 yard shot, 50 yard shot. And then the bull ducked like massive, <laughs> like super significantly. And um, he would have missed it. If the bull didn't duck, the bull actually ducked it. He was 60 yards. Oh, it ducked right into it. He oh, ducked that's great right into it. it. And he would have <laughs> missed it like flat out and just pinwheeled this thing. And he's like, yeah, it's perfect 50 yards. And the, then it turns out later on, we're like, no, actually, it was 60. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it worked out really good. And, and the bull ducked into it and he put a great shot on it. But I mean, that also happens too, where oh, yeah. you can also just get real lucky on oh, yeah. on things. I've had a few pronghorn that uh, I misranged that the ducking really helped out. <laughs> Dude, I I had a yeah pronghorn with a bow. They are uh, jumpy little oh, things. Oh, they are jumpy. <laughs> they will, and it's almost better to have them farther out. It is. It is. Than shoot, close. Wait, they they bust everything close. Even when I'm in a blind on water, like I'll set up and I had my camera guy. He's like, "Can we get closer?" I'm like, "Cause I set up at 60." And he's like, "We are far," and I'm like, "We can get away with stuff." We we can yeah. talk. We can draw. Like, yeah. give them their space. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, they're less jumpy. I oh, feel yeah. like when they're a little farther out Definitely. than when they're on top of you. And same with whitetail. Yeah. So, like last year, um, uh, last year, uh, um, I had a whitetail deer that was uh, the the ten, okay. and he was at fifty yards. And I told my outfitter David, I was like, I don't want to shoot him. He's fifty yards. And David's like, Christy is less likely to jump out there the than he is in close. And the problem was, though, where he was, even when I sat, there was, like, this one branch uh. that my arrow was going to hit. Like, how can he be in in the one spot where this one branch <laughs> is going to ruin my life? And that happened to me with a gun two years oh, ago. Good. We had a 160 come in. He ran in with a doe, ran across. I tried to stop him. He wouldn't stop. He popped back out, and Yogi's like, he's, he popped out of the trees. And I get on the rifle, and there's one branch across. across. I can't see him, so I slide over in the double stand. And as soon as I get him, 
in my scope, he's gone again, like because ch- he was chasing so hard. It's like the one branch. We could have a whole podcast on the one branch because I bet oh. you between the two of us, we could probably do an hour podcast on the one, the one branch, branch that has wrecked our life in Ruined all situations. It. Like the camera guy's like, don't shoot because the one branch, or your arrow hits the one branch, your gun hits the one branch. I would rather have the camera guy <laughs> not have the shot and me actually be successful uh. than, you know, I mean, there. I shot an elk a couple years ago at 20 yards with a rifle. And we, we'd been watching them all week, and there's this little, like, uh, I guess saddle they were going through. And the elk walked through, but I had my gun on a rock, and I couldn't angle it to shoot the elk, and it was facing his face. So I couldn't pull the trigger. So on, on video, people were like, why didn't you shoot it right there? He's <laughs> like, the cameraman has a perfect angle. Yeah. I had no angle. So the bull knows something's up, and he walks down, and he stops, and he stands and looks around in the wind for, like, five minutes. And my cameraman is like, do you think there's more elk coming? Because he'd been with other elk. And I was like. I don't see anymore. He's like, why don't you go shoot that one? He's still standing there. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because I couldn't see him. He went oh, down to no these man's knees. So I belly crawled up on this thing, and I and I shot him. It was last day of the hunt, and we did not get the kill shot. Uh-huh. And then I get roasted online, and people are like, oh, I don't think that's how it went down. And it's like, well, no, that's really what <laughs> happened. <laughs> that's actually what happened. Dude, My cameraman right, had a great angle. I didn't. Uh, yep. He was so close. Oh, that happens. And then oh. he stood, and then I belly crawled in and got the shot, but we couldn't get everything on yep. camera. And yep. it was the last morning. What are you going to oh, do? Yeah. I mean... I've had a few of those where I look over and on on some of the stuff I've done archery equipment, we have to get the shot. And we, it's that worst feeling when you're in full draw and you have him. Yeah. And you just look over at the camera guy for the okay, and he's like, no. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they don't have it. Oh, it's heartbreaking. And you're out. You're, you're done. Out. You're out. That's oh, it. no. This is so fun. So, um, you, obviously, we both could talk hunting, yep. like, for an hour and a half today, um, but we won't. We'll, we'll take pause there. Do you run a fishing tournaments? What, what, how can people maybe fish with you? Absolutely. So my, my fishing business is called Tightline Outdoors. You can go to a website. You can go to Facebook. You can go to Instagram, any of those. But we're okay. probably most active on Facebook and website. But, yeah, Tightline Outdoors gets all our fishing stuff. And then hunting stuff, I'm actually getting ready to launch a hunting website. Uh, depending on when this airs, it'll be – What uh, does that mean, a hunting website? So it'll be a website that directs to all my content. So everything ah, okay. I do with Ruger, everything I do with Bowtech, everything that I do with DNR agencies. So more just a landing page where people are like, hey, where do I see all the stuff? It'll kind of mm-hmm. be, be all that kind of stuff. So that'll be coming out here real soon. I'm just okay, kind of nice. organizing my my adventures. He's adulting. Adult. That's yeah, really. I hate that. That's what my assistant says. I, I need you're to become You're adulting. Adult. You're adulting now. Okay. So, so tightline outdoors. Yep. And then your handles on Instagram and Facebook are what? Yep. Nate Zelinski on uh, on Facebook and then uh, as well as Instagram. And you guys, oh. you know, if you look really close at some of the Colorado Parks and Wildlife uh, educational content, yep. this is like. This is the face yeah. of that. The easiest thing to do if you just go to the, the YouTube for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, but it's just the Big Game Hunting Series. If yeah. you type in Big Game Hunting Series, there's And tons what's of cool content. about his series with them is it's tons of tips, tactics, how to. So if you are wanting to learn some new stuff, get some pointers from him from his yep. years of experience as a guide, and and uh, this is a, you know it's a great resource for people Absolutely. to be able to tap into and kind of maybe be more successful. And we walk you through the entire process from obtaining licenses, how to obtain licenses, what you should do with your points, to scouting to the success. The one video he doesn't have on there is angled shooting for archers. So <laughs> There's not <laughs> we, that video. We have established We're that. We're going to go ahead and skip that <laughs> one. 
skip that one. I don't have that one either, so yep. we're both good on that. We'll mine's, move on. Mine's, mine's like if five yard increments for Whitetail 101. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We all have that thing. We all have that thing, yeah. No, I really appreciate you taking Absolutely. the time I um, being and being here with us at the Ruger booth. And I appreciate all of you that are tuning in. So if you guys like the podcast, I want to encourage you to hit the like button, the subscribe button, and please share this podcast with your friends. Um, your host, Christy Titus, and thank you guys for tuning in to the Wild Nun Cut podcast. Closing the distance and remaining undetected requires a dedicated scent control system. Step into the field with confidence, knowing that you have the most effective enzymes in the industry working hard to destroy human odor. The Dead Downwind Complete Scent Control System starts long before your hunt does. From the laundry to the shower and even en route to your hunt, Dead Downwind never stops working. And when it's time to climb into the stand or make that stalk of a lifetime, you can hunt with confidence that you've left nothing to chance. Before the hunt, during the hunt, and after, the Dead Downwind system works as hard for your hunt as you do. Thank you for listening to the Wild and Uncut podcast. If you would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to my Pursue the Wild digital series on YouTube and follow me at Christy Titus on Facebook and Instagram.